Welcome to the Unexpected Leader Podcast. You're listening to Season 2. This season, we've chosen to have conversations with our younger leaders about their unexpected journeys in ministry. We're excited to share with you their stories of how God has called and used them in the lives of the people they walk with. The world that is so natural to them seems so far removed from the one in which I started out in. Their wisdom and experience is so helpful for our families of churches, and by sharing their stories, we can all move toward being better leaders and followers of Jesus in this moment in time, whether we ourselves are new to the journey or have been on it for a while. Thanks for listening in. We want to welcome you back to the Unexpected Leader podcast. We're grateful that you've uh, chosen to uh, listen to us today. I'm joined today with uh, Ron Scott, who's filling in as my co-host. Ron, good to have you with us. Thank you. And Ron and I have the privilege of being in Wolfville, Nova Scotia today. And we have with us Catherine Cole, the Manager of Recruitment and Admissions at Acadia Divinity College. Catherine, it's good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. As we get started, maybe you could take the opportunity to just share with those who are listening to us what your role involves here at Acadia Divinity College. Yeah, so as Manager of Recruitment and Admissions, I have the privilege of being able to walk alongside uh, prospective students right from their initial inquiry as to figuring out who we are as a college and what we do and what our mission is and walking through with them up right until the point that they decide whether or not this is the right fit for them and send in their application, review that application, offer them admission, and get them ready to start their theological education. Where do you primarily meet people who are interested in coming uh, into pastoral ministry or theological studies here at Acadia Divinity College? If people kind of looked at your calendar, would they look at it and say, oh, Catherine gets to spend so much time in the beautiful valley? Or do you find yourself traveling a fair bit. If you ask anybody that works here, they are always asking the question, where is Catherine? I'm hardly ever here. There are seasons where I'm here more so than not, um, but the job takes me all over the place. So I'm meeting people in Atlanta, Canada. I'm meeting people across Canada. I just got back from Saskatoon on Sunday and I leave again for Vancouver on Thursday. So coast to coast and we're looking at eventually trying to build some in more international partnerships as well. So those scopes will become even more broad uh, in the future. Yeah, fantastic. So for those of you who are listening, if uh, and we'll give Catherine the opportunity at the podcast to plug ADC. But for those of you who may be interested in theological studies or pastoral ministry studies at ADC, you can find uh, Catherine at any place across Canada maybe tuning into some of those youth uh, events across the country and uh, be able to meet her and discuss what's going on at ADC. Catherine, when you were in high school, if you can take us back, uh, did you imagine working in a ministry context? Because we do think that ADC is a ministry. And so if you can take us back, did you imagine this? Absolutely not. In high school, I knew that I was going to go on to university and follow a career path. But if anybody had mentioned that I would be in the position that I am today following a career path in ministry, I would have laughed at them, mostly because having grown up in a Christian home, going to church um, and going to a public school, there was a certain amount of social exclusion that I experienced just within my peer group and not always feeling fully accepted because of the fact that I was living a faith life and going to church. And I didn't want that feeling to persist and to follow me throughout my life. So I had zero intention of ever 
kind of landing into a ministry position. And yet here I am. Here you are. Yeah. So what was the story? Um, you were there and now you're here. And can you help fill in some of that in between period? Um, the short story is I went to Memorial University uh, in St. John's, Newfoundland and took a degree in kinesiology. So I have a Bachelor of Kinesiology. And the plan was always to go on and do med school afterwards, do sports medicine, work for an NHL team, you know, every Canadian's dream, and eventually land with the International Olympic Committee and being able to work with uh, elite athletes on that level. Clearly that did not happen. My first year of university completely derailed those plans. And after my third year at MUN, I actually transferred back to UNB with some mental health issues, needed a stronger support system with my family, so came back, did two years at UNB, failed almost all of my courses because I wasn't in the right headspace to be able to do that and I needed to do some self-care. So took some time off before going back to MUN and finishing up my degree. Um, So it took me a long time to get there, but I eventually finished that. But while I was at UNB, I actually had the opportunity to serve as part of the Atlantic Baptist Youth Executive um, and be one of the New Brunswick representatives and really start to explore and experience leadership within the church for the first time. And that kind of started this whole process of discovering what my giftings were, realizing what I was capable of, and having people who were starting to tap me on the shoulder saying, hey, have you thought about ministry? And at that point, I was still not willing to recognize that myself. I was on the path to becoming an RCMP officer and had everything finished for that and was just waiting on a date for my deployment to depot to do training. I went to do the fitness test for them again. And as I was running the pair, I jumped the mat, landed off balance and tore everything in my right ankle. So that shut the door to the RCMP very quickly as well. And from there, I took what was supposed to be a temporary position at a private career college in Truro and was doing recruitment for them, which turned into an admissions and recruitment piece. Still had those same people tapping me on the shoulder saying, you are called to ministry. What are you doing with your life? And then this position became open and available. And I had, I don't know how many people send me the job posting uh, by email saying, you really need to consider this. And eventually I did, applied, and here I am. I mean, that's a great story. (laughs) I I mean, not that blew out all the Mm -hmm. tendons or whatever that felt like, but sometimes God gets a hold of us in unique ways. Yep. When I hear your story, I'm I think of a number of pieces that I see in society, and you raise the issue of, of mental health. And I'm wondering, a, a couple of questions. I wonder, first of all, from your level of being on a university campus and also working with students in recruitment and seeing students across the country, uh, do you think there's more of an openness to discuss issues around the mental health concerns, and particularly in an emerging generation? Absolutely. Um, The younger generation that's coming up now is fully open to discussing it. There's still some of that social stigma around uh, the topic, but I think it's starting to diminish and opening up more avenues to be able to really speak into the lives of people who are dealing with mental illness. 
because uh, it does affect all of us in some way or another. And people need to just be more open to helping other people realize that it is a more normal part of life and it doesn't diminish the fact that you're still able to do what you've been called to do just because Absolutely. you're dealing with that as well. The other part that I wondered about that, and I appreciate that, that that's the need to just have conversation and be honest and open dialogue about that and leads into that second question. You said a really interesting position to kind of catch a glimpse of stories of churches and you yourself being raised in church and then struggling, as you indicated. Do you feel the church was good in processing that through? Um, do you think the church has gotten better since your experience? And what would you like to see change? I know those are three consecutive questions. but And big questions. Yeah, Church was not the place that I was able to find help or resourcing. Mostly, I'm a very private person, so I wasn't even willing to reach out for the help that I needed at the time. I didn't feel like I could go to my pastor to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, what can you offer me to be able to try and work through it? That is shifting. I think the church is recognizing more that mental health needs to be part of the conversation. And we need to be able to meet people while they're wrestling with that and struggling with that. But there's still more work to do. There's more training that we need to seek out to be able to facilitate those conversations well. We need to be able to have a list of resources in our back pocket at all times. So when those conversations do come up, we know where to send people because we might not be the ones to be having those conversations, but we need to be able to point people in the right directions without leaving them to try and figure it out themselves. Great advice. And I, you know, I think about the work that Dr. Dorothy Hunts does mm -hmm. here at Acadia Divinity College and Dr. Cheryl Anvils with the CBAC in this area to work with our pastors to be able to help them with them, their own journeys, but then also that helps them to be able to work with those in their congregation. Such an important piece. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure that our listeners will find some great value in what you just shared. So thanks for that. One of the things in your journey kind of stuck out to me, and it seems like it's very common for the people we've had conversations with on this podcast. One of the running threads is people have these conversations that follow the structure that kind of feels like a, I see in you this potential for ministry kind of conversation. And sometimes it repeats or sometimes circumstances come together where multiple people, as in your case, send you the same job posting. Or other, for others, it may be this, the same uh, leading to move to this place or go to talk to this person or whatever it looks like. So were there moments that you could even unpack for us along your journey, whether it's working with um, the youth executive or um, coming here to Acadia? Just some things that stand out to you as, as big I see in you conversations. Oh, there were lots. And I think people got very frustrated with me very quickly because those conversations were happening on a repeated basis. So I think, for example, John Campbell, who also works here at ADC, while I was at Munn and going to West End Baptist in St. John's, he was the youth pastor and I was one of his volunteer youth leaders. He was probably one of the first people to really tap me on the shoulder and say, look, like you are gifted in these areas and I think you should 
think about ministry. And I completely dismissed it. I was in the middle of my kinesiology degree. There was no way I was switching careers at that point or what my career aspirations were. And then coming into the youth executive and working with a Jody Linkletter and having her tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to think about ministry. And there were all of these other people through those experiences. So as part of the youth executive, I got to work with the Spring Forth team and planning those events and other regional events. So there were other youth pastors that I was able to work with, and they were constantly affirming that as well. And then Renee Embry, Renee McVicker now, she was one of the strongest advocates in constantly pushing me to think further and beyond the scope of what I had decided I was capable of and what I was going to do with my life and really open up my mind to the fact that it's not just what I want for my life, but it's what God wants for my life and trying to figure that piece out. So yeah, People were very frustrated with me. This is like probably an eight-year process from somebody first tapping me on the shoulder to me actually being in the role that I am today. What kind of advice would you give to people who are experiencing a similar thing in terms of being tapped on the shoulder, saying, you know, I see in you gifts, potential capacity for ministry? What would you say to them? Don't be dismissive of it. Don't set it aside just because it doesn't match up with what you think your five or 10 year plan is going to be. Those plans usually don't work out. Mine definitely did not. And yeah, just thinking through somebody else's recognizing a potential in you, you need to be able to discover and explore what that actually looks like. It might not be conventional ministry and somebody might not be tapping you on the shoulder saying you are called to ministry. Well, that doesn't have to mean pastoral ministry. It could be something completely different. So reorganizing your thoughts as to what ministry looks like and what that context is has blown my own mind in this whole process because this is not what I would ever have expected somebody to say when you belong in ministry. Admissions and recruitment is not the normal thing that people would assume. So just being willing to unpack what that means for you on a personal level and what your giftings actually are and where your passions are and where God is at work, it can lead to a very different realization of what ministry looks like. Do you think that's had an effect on how you have conversations with prospective students here at ADC? Maybe students who are wondering if their path may not end up um, the same as the prototypical uh, senior pastor or solo pastor or ministerial role, and yet they're still wrestling with, well, what do I do? Uh, and I'm still feeling like there's a call and I just don't know how to sort that out. So does that equip you to have better conversations with those kinds of people? I think my own personal journey has enabled me to think outside of the box and to be able to help other people to think outside of the box as well. Theological education gives you the basis of the core understanding within theology, biblical studies, practical ministry. Our faculty aren't teaching people what to think, but how to think and how to think critically through the challenges that are coming up within the cultural shift. And things are going to be constantly changing and evolving, um, and ministry is going to constantly change and evolve with that. And being able to recognize that God has called you to ministry, but not necessarily pastoral ministry, I think is one of the strengths that I bring to the position. 
and helping people realize that just because you're called to ministry, it doesn't have to look like what it did 10, 20, 30 years ago. There are such a range of opportunities that are out there that enable people to work towards God's mission and the mission of the church and what our mission as God's people is. Again, just thinking outside of the box and pushing the boundaries of how, regardless of what you might think in your head is what God has called you to, that there might be something completely different out there and being open to the possibility of that and still working towards preparing yourself and equipping yourself with the knowledge base and the skills to be able to do that wherever or whenever God does call you. Yeah, so good. I mean, Garth and I have chatted at length before about how it just, it feels like we are in this major shift and the landscape of ministry is not what it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And so the nature of what a call could look like or what a ministerial position could look like, even from today until uh, five years or 10 years from now, is going to be very different. So the, equipping with the skills to be able to process that and being able to share our journeys just to say many of us are on a bit of a windy, twisty journey and the end result doesn't um, look like uh, it would have for a person in ministry 40 years ago is a really helpful activity to do, a really helpful exercise to do for sure. Yeah, we are in a really intriguing cultural moment with our understanding of, of ministry. And you know, I've had the privilege of being in pastoral ministry since the early 90s when I came as a student to ADC. And I just think about the shift and the change and the nuancing and the clarity of understanding. But yet we've still struggled to find good language to be able to kind of understand that ministry is broader than pastoral leadership but such a critical piece to it still. But yet I think about my own wife, who's a principal of an elementary school, and I often think she does far greater pastoral work than what I probably did you know, in the run of a week as she works within an impoverished community and engages the community with her staff and context that is so powerful for the representation of the gospel to her neighborhood. And so I think we struggle, we say vocational versus lay, and that doesn't really help uh, in some respects. And, and I just, I'm excited about where it's going to go in the near future. And so I think it is great that for someone in recruitment and admissions has gone through that struggle themselves to kind of say, no, 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 it's not just that, it can be this and so much more. I mean, if you think about it, every day, regardless of what you're doing, is a ministry of some sort. So it doesn't necessarily have to fit within the confines of what Christian ministry has looked like, as we've said, but being able to live out the mission of God's people on an everyday, regular basis. In the cultural moment that we're in, what conversations do you feel like you're having a lot of these days? What are issues that feel like they're, they're just emerging a lot in your conversations with students or staff and faculty here or people in the Valley? Um, what do you feel like you're, you're just talking with people a lot about? I mean, I don't know if it's just the nature of my group of friends or not, but we tend to talk through the state of the church 
and what the church is going to look like going forward. And that's such a black hole of thought processing that you can easily just get sucked into, which we do on a regular basis of trying to figure out where the change needs to happen, how the change needs to happen, and where we fit into that process. So I mean, that's one of the big things that we talk about. But if we're talking about what I'm talking to prospective students about, the number one question is whether or not theological education is still relevant to the ministry that people are doing in churches and whether it's necessary. And that's a fair question to ask. I, I want to know how you answer it. I mean, my own personal opinion is that just like any job, if you don't have the right knowledge base to be able to go and do and to think critically through the challenges that you are facing or the challenges that you don't know that you're going to face, how do you ever expect yourself to be able to do the job to the best of your ability if you don't have the educational base and the foundation to be able to come from that and speak into what's happening? Most people would assume that, yes, I work for a theological institution and I work for a seminary. So that has to be my answer. But this is me, Catherine. This is my own personal opinion. And the fact that I am now taking master's level courses myself to be able to equip myself for the calling that God has on my life, because that could change. This is where I'm at now. This is where I'm serving now. But five years down the road, this could be something completely different. I could be somewhere else in a different stage of ministry and a different stage of life. And I want to be able to fall back on a solid biblical knowledge, a solid biblical understanding that I've wrestled through the different aspects of theology and know where I stand and why and be able to understand and hear somebody else's perspective and be able to have a respectful conversation with them, allowing them to see where I'm coming from and why I'm coming from that angle and to have them feel that they are heard and accepted in theirs without getting into a debate or a disagreement over it. So having to wrestle through all of that, having my own theology broken down and rebuilt is going to give me the skills to be able to have those conversations, to think critically, to assess things as they change, because this cultural moment is not going to look like what the next cultural moment is, even in a year or two's time. It's going to look different. So again, having the foundation, having the strong core of what I believe and why. Uh, that's a great answer. Uh, you know, my role with our denomination is I take lead in, in helping people process through our board of ministerial standards and education towards ordination. And they ask that same question of me a lot. Is this really relevant? Do I have to do this much? Why is this important? I think the other thing for me, what I appreciate about the faculty here at Acadia Divinity College is that they're always working to make sure that their material is relevant. The academic piece isn't the only piece that's here either. There's the spiritual formation piece. There's the honing of the skills and the gifts that God has already given you um, and having that recognized by the people in the faculty here and being able to develop that and think through what that looks like um, in a different way. So somebody might be coming in with all of the skills to be able to do practical ministry really well. But if you only have the practical ministry side of things without having the theological concepts or the biblical studies background, there's going to be a disconnect somewhere. We like to wrap up our podcast episodes by asking the question, if you could look back on your journey, what advice would you want to give yourself if you 
had the chance to talk to high school Catherine. <laughs> what would you want to say? So I think I would probably tell myself to be patient, to trust in the plan that God has, and that just because things don't look exactly like what I had figured them out to be in my head, that that means failure, um, that there is grace in all of that, and all of the things that have happened have happened for a reason and will work collectively towards what God has called me to now and in the future. Catherine, uh, just as we're wrapping up, we want to give you that opportunity if there's anything that you would like to say to our listeners about uh, ADC. Sure. I think I just want to encourage people, regardless of where they're at with their ministry and wrestling with call, even if it's just one course or auditing a course, ADC is a place that really does recognize the potential in every person to be the leader in the church that they need to be and understanding that every person does have a role to play in the context of the church and we want to be able to equip those to serve as effectively as possible. If you're serving in your church in some way and are thinking, hey, it might be cool to take a theology course so that I'm able to further discussion with somebody in the ministry that I'm serving in or look through spiritual formation for your own personal use, like, please come talk to me. Like, we are a place that is recognizing all types of leaders um, and all contexts, and we want to equip you as best as we possibly can to be able to serve in whatever context you are in. Catherine, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the Unexpected Leader podcast. I'd encourage uh, those of you who are listening to us that if you are either giving consideration to a call, if you feel that God is speaking to you, inviting you into that, or if you're one of our leaders within our local church and you see someone in your congregation that you think God might be inviting you to tap on the shoulder and say, I see in you that you have gifts for ministry, we'd encourage you that one of the places you can start that conversation is with Catherine. And you could email Catherine at Catherine.cole at acadiau.ca. So Catherine, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Unexpected Leader podcast from the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. We're a family of over 450 churches and organizations joined together with the mission of joining God in our neighborhoods. We're praying this will be an encouraging, stimulating resource for you wherever you're at on your own journey. You might also be considering whether God is unexpectedly calling you as a leader. And if that is you, we invite you to head over to www.yourcalling.ca and check out the content we've created just for you. Again, that website address is www.yourcalling.ca.